0: So this morning we're beginning the book of with the book of Ephesians. Now, so for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about lessons in the book of Ephesians. And you know, in the book of Ephesians, it's six chapters. The first three are theology or theological, and then the the, the last three are more practical. And so we're going to be talking about lessons. It's not necessarily going to be a verse by verse study but we're going to just take time to camp out in the book of Ephesians. So I want to encourage you, whenever you do some Bible reading, why don't you read the book of Ephesians and just read it over and over again. You know, I've found if you want to really learn a book of the Bible, you just read it, you know, six chapters. You can read it in one sitting. But whenever you read it, just take time to just pay attention. Don't read it fast. Don't just like try to fly through it, but read it slow. And let God speak to you. Amen. And I believe the best lessons you're going to learn in the next few months or weeks as we study the book of Ephesians is not what's going to come from this pulpit, but what God's going to speak to you individually and personally. Amen. How many of you know the Lord wants to speak to you? Amen. He wants to talk to you and I believe you want to hear from him. Amen. So as we, uh, as we begin this morning, I just want to begin with an introduction to the book of Ephesians. Obviously, the, the author of the book of Ephesians is the apostle Paul. And, and he was writing to the Christian believers that are in Ephesus. In Ephesians 1 and verse one, it says, "Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus." Now, the book of Ephesians is one of four prison epistles, which what that means is Paul wrote this book not while he was sitting on the beach in Destin, but while he was in prison. In fact, Tony and I got a chance to see that prison whenever we were in Rome. But this was his first imprisonment. He wrote this book. Not only this book, but he wrote three other books. The book of uh, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. All of those books were written while he was sitting in prison. Now, how do we know that he wrote this book while he's in prison? In in Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 1 and 2, it says, When I think of all of this, this is Paul speaking. He said, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending the grace to you Gentiles. Now we know about when the book of Ephesians was written and it was about the same time that he was sitting in prison. Now here's an important key to the book of Ephesians, to the letter to the Ephesians. Paul's purpose in writing this book was so that the Ephesians was an attempt to encourage them And teach them about their spiritual inheritance that they received as Christians. He wanted them to know about it. If you, we won't take the time today, but if you go over in the book of Acts chapter 19, uh, 18 and 19, you remember in, in uh, whenever he went to Ephesus and he said, hey, did y'all, uh, did y'all receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. And so he was trying to teach them. Ephesians believe, believers were in reality rich beyond measure. How many of you know if they're in Christ, they're rich beyond measure, right? And so they're rich beyond measure, but they were living as spiritual beggars or paupers. And as, as, the, as, a, as a pastor, as a spiritual leader that, that is concerned about the spiritual welfare of the people of God, the apostle Paul is trying to encourage them and he's trying to motivate them to, to learn their spiritual inheritance because they were ignorant of the wealth and riches they had in Christ. Now, now. So Paul's go he goes to great measure to try to unpack it for them to, to understand it. And so he says in Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. What the Apostle Paul wanted the Ephesian church to know, as well as all of us today, is that we're rich. How many of you know you're Rich. You say, but Todd, last time I checked my checking account, I'm not rich. But you have to understand that what the Apostle Paul was talking about here, he wasn't talking about how many dollars you have in your checking account. He's talking about spiritual riches. Amen. And how many of you know you can have a lot of dollars in your account and be spiritually bankrupt? Amen. But if you're spiritually rich, you're in good shape. How many of you know that? So we've been blessed, the Bible says, with every spiritual blessing the Father has in His kingdom. Verse 19, Paul said, I pray, or verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance to the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power towards us who believe. As Christians... Paul's saying, I'm praying that your eyes are open. And he said, I'm praying that you would just see the inheritance that God has given you. And so I believe that as we look at the book of Ephesians, my prayer is that you would have your eyes open and that you would see something maybe that you've never seen before. And that, and that you would, you would know, you would understand the spiritual inheritance. You know, man, I was just thinking this morning as I was wrapping up this lesson, I felt enriched. I felt enriched by studying the Word. How many of you know the Word is rich and it'll enrich you? It'll enrich people that submit to it. In, in, in the book of Revelation, it says, uh, blessed are those who read and heed the, this book. In another place, in one of the prophets, it says that, you know, God's word, God's word will water. It will water the land. It will water the soul that hears it. Amen. And so as we look into the word of God, we we have to know that we are rich. We have a spiritual inheritance. So the question is, what are these spiritual blessings that Paul is talking about here? Well, they are laid out throughout the book throughout the Bible, but throughout the book of Ephesians. But right here in chapter 1, there's seven invisible heavenly spiritual blessings. So let's take time to just unpack those. The first one is this, the blessing of being chosen. The blessing of being chosen. Now, right away, that's like, well, what, what big deal is that? Well, let's talk about it. Ephesians 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be wholly blameless before Him. Now, Paul says, God the Father chose us before the foundation of the world. How many of you, how many of you are Christians here today? Let me see your hands. How many of you don't know? Well, hopefully by the end of today, you can know for sure. But if you are a Christian, this, this blessing that Paul's talking about pertains to you. Well, how does someone become a Christian? The Lord chooses us to become a Christian, doesn't he? Now, he allows us. And listen what listen what John 6:44 says. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me and at the last day I will raise them up. Now, obviously, We have to respond to the Lord's drawing. But how many of you know that we can't take responsibility for being a Christian? We can take responsibility for saying, yes, Lord. But we can't take responsibility for the Lord's drawing of our heart. Amen. Now, what is the spiritual blessing of being uh, or why is the spiritual blessing of being chosen so important? Think about it with me. It addresses a core need we all have. And it's a need of self-worth and personal value. How many of you know being chosen by the Lord is great? Amen? It's it's it's, it's huge. The fact that you're a Christian should assure you that you have great value and worth. Why? Because God chose you. And we're not talking about some gel blow down the road over there. We're talking about the God and the creator of the universe. He chose you. Amen? If you're a Christian, God chose you and he said, I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to be a part of my family. Of all the people on the globe, God said, I want you to be a part of my family. Amen. You know, I remember growing up in elementary school, high school for physical ed, you know, P.E., a lot of times we would have, uh, you know, competition like sports. You know, we would divide up, have basketball games, football games, baseball games, or whatever. And so a lot of times the coach would pick a leader. He'd pick a leader and say, okay, you be the green team, you be the red team. All right, everybody else right here, y'all pick a team. You pick first. And they'd pick one, you pick next, next. And, and everybody would get chosen. Well, the worst thing in the world was waiting to see if you would get picked. And listen, if you got picked last, it was not good. Because that meant you had absolutely no talent. You know, you, you didn't know how to play ball, and they didn't want you on their team. But if you got chosen, if you got chosen, it meant a big deal. And, and you know, depending on who the coach was or, or the captain of the team was, Cause some of them were real popular. And if somebody real popular and somebody that everybody looked up to called your name and said, Todd, I want you to be on my team. You would light up cause you were chosen. Well, saints of God, the captain of the team of teams, the captain of the, of the greatest team ever, God the father looked down at the team and he said, I want you on my team. You are chosen. You've been selected to be on the, not just the team, can I tell you something? The winning team. The winning team. We win. Amen. Come on. How many of you feel glad you've been chosen? Amen. So don't let nobody look down at you. Come on, raise your head and say, I've been chosen. Amen. I've been chosen. The creator, the all-knowing God of the universe chose you to be on his spiritual team. Amen. Now, why is that so important? Because nothing is more important the knowing that we have personal worth and value. It's a core need we have. And so it doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. What does God say about you? God says, I want you. How many of you know that's important? The second spiritual blessing Paul speaks of here is the blessing of being adopted. In verse 5, he says, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Adoption. It's the spiritual act whereby God brings regenerated believers into his family. And in biblical times, adopted children, as soon as they were adopted, always had the rights of their adopted family. None were held back. But they lost all their rights of their old family. And so, you know, as you think about this, there's two major blessings of being adopted. How many of you know you've been adopted into God's family? Right. If you've been chosen, you've been adopted in his family. First of all, we lose all rights and ties to our old family that we were born into. You know, like the Adamic family, Adam's family with all the dysfunctions and, and evil and wickedness. Come on. We, we don't identify with that anymore. We've been adopted out of that. Amen. But you know what? We also gain the rights and privileges of the new family that we've been adopted into. Amen. Come on. How many of you wish you were a Walton? Or a gate. How many of you like that name? I'm a gate. Bill Gates. Yeah, that's me. How many of you like to be in that family? Why? Because, man, to be the heir of that family. But you know what? Listen, as children of God that has been adopted, we're no longer a part of that old family. We're a part of the new family. And all the rights of the new family, all the rights and blessings associated with God's family is ours today. Are we rich? And the answer is... Romans 8, verse 15 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we, are, now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Amen. Now, listen, it addresses another core need we have in our lives. It's the need to be loved and belong. God says, I don't want you to just, you know, I, I don't want you to just be a part of this household. I want you to be one of my children. I want to adopt you. Amen. You know, in talking to people about adoption, when I, whenever they find out that, um, uh, that their parents are not their real parents, they're first sad. But the other thing is they realize, man, if my parents would go through what they went through to adopt me, they didn't have to do that. And they're taking care of me. All of a sudden they feel like, wow, my parents went out of the way for me to be a part. They must love me. And so here's the connection. Do you realize that God went out of his way to adopt us into his family? That He really wanted us. He wanted us into His family so bad that He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that we didn't have to be connected with the old family, the Adamic nature, the the sinful Adam nature family. But He gave his son, Jesus, to die on the cross so we could be adopted into his family and have all the rights of this new family. Amen? Listen, you're not a pulper and you're not a beggar. You're a child of the most high God. You're adopted. Amen? You've been engrafted in. Amen? And you not might not be in the Walton family or the Gates family, but you're in a greater family. You're in the family of God that will outlast this world. Come on. You, you, you're special. So you, know, you have to know you're special. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to adopt us. But he did it because he loves us. Amen? So we've been chosen. Not only have we been chosen, we've been adopted. We, we have the, the rights of the family. The third spiritual blessing that Paul speaks of here in this chapter is the blessing of being redeemed. Ephesians 1 and 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Now, what does that mean? In Him, we have redemption. Now, redemption means when someone pays a ransom to deliver somebody who's incapable of freeing themselves. And the picture here it, the picture is someone buying a slave from the slave market who was incapable of freeing themselves. And so here they're standing in the slave market and they're just a commodity. And any person with money can come along and say, I'll buy that slave, I'll buy that slave. That's the picture here. In the context, redemption refers to, of course, Christ's death on the cross and his paying the price to buy us off of the slave block of sin. You see, so redemption literally means to lose somebody from something, to set them free from slavery. And that's what Christ did from us, for us. How many of you know that Christ died so we can be free from the power and in the slavery of sin? Hey, I don't know about you, but you know, you know, have you ever felt like, well, this sin pattern, this sin problem in your life, you will have to go to the grave. You'll have to live with it the rest of your life. Not if you understand the riches of Christ. He chose us. He adopted us and he redeemed us. He bought us out of sin and says, I want to liberate you. I want to free you. I want to give you the privilege of just being a free man or a free woman in my kingdom. Amen. So you need to see yourself. You need to see yourself as that slave standing on the slave block, enslaved by sin. And, and, and just listen to this word picture. And you're stuck, unable to get free from the oppression and the control of slavery. And then picture in your mind's eye, Jesus coming up to the auctioneer, the one in charge of selling the slaves. And Jesus says to the auctioneer, how much does it cost to set that slave free? And the auctioneer says, it'll cost a human life to set him free. And Jesus says, I'll pay it. I'll pay that price to set him or her free. Amen. That's what Jesus did for you and I. He said, what's the price? I'll pay it. I'm willing to give my all to set him, to set her free. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Amen. When Jesus died on the cross, He literally paid the price to set us free. Amen? And I believe that those of, how many of you say you're Christians? Let me see your hand. I wonder how many of us in this room today would be sitting in prison if Christ hadn't set us free. I wonder how many of us in this room might be in our grave if Christ hadn't set us free. I wonder how many of us in this room would have a rap record about this long if Christ hadn't set us free. We've been set free from the slavery of sin, amen? We've been redeemed, we've been bought out. And my friends, that's a great blessing. You are rich as a a child of God. Sin no longer has control over your life because of the power of the cross, amen? Amen. How many of you think that's good news today? Amen. Well, if you don't, I'll pray for you after the service is over, right? Amen. Okay, so the fourth spiritual blessing that Paul unpacks here in chapter 1 is the blessing of knowing the mystery of his will. Now, Ephesians 1 and 9 says, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him. The Lord has made known to us the mystery of His will. What is the mystery of His will? What has He made known to us? Well, mystery means a hidden or a secret thing that has not been revealed. And so what the Scripture is telling us is, as a believer, God reveals to you something that is not revealed to everybody. Amen? Amen? His will means the secret purposes and plans which he intends to carry out in his kingdom, which is hidden to the non-believer, but it's clear to the Christian. Hey, do you know as a believer you have divine insight? I don't know if you realize that or not, but as a believer you have divine insight. And, And so what is the mystery he's talking about here? He answers... He answers, and it's revealed in the very next verse. In verse 10, it says, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and earth. So the mystery of God's will is in the future. And he says, in the future, there will be no more divisions between people groups and nations. In the future, there will be no more divisions between Jews and Gentiles, Greeks and barbarians. No more strife between religions and political leaders. Hello. In the nations, amen. Why? In just the right time, everything and everyone in heaven and on earth will come under the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. Philippians 2 and 9 says this, Therefore God has elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. How I many of you know everybody's going to have to bow a knee to Jesus? Now, why again is this blessing so important? All these, these spiritual riches really tend to satisfy core needs in our life. And and this particular blessing, knowing the mystery of God's will, yet again addresses the need for personal safety and security. The blessing of knowing that, despite what's happening all over the world, despite what you hear week in and week out, another terrorist attack, another crazy person going crazy, driving a van into people, all that stuff. When you hear of all that, we need not worry about our future. We need not worry about the future of the world. We need not worry about that. Why? Because Jesus reigns and rules over heaven and earth. And one day, every knee and everything, every leader, every situation, every division, every strife, everything will have to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. That's the Jesus you serve. That's the Jesus I serve. That's the Jesus we serve. Hey, listen, he is in charge, gang. He's in charge, amen? And so we can know that, listen, whenever you see everything going, what's this world coming to? I tell you what it's coming to. It's coming to the point where Jesus rules and reigns over everything in heaven and on earth. How many of you know he's gonna reign? How many of you know he's going to reign over everything? Amen. And so listen, I hear things, you see things, you see stuff going on. Hey, just be cool. Cool your jets. Cool your jets. Keep your eyes on Jesus because he is the man. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the creator. He is the one God has chosen to be the one that's going to rule over everything. Come on. How many of you know that's got to give you a little bit of security? Amen. If you realize, how many of you are Christians? You serve the one that's going, that is the man. Come on, you serve the one that is God has chosen to be the one that rules over everything. Oh, that bless. I feel blessed right now. Just talking about, come on, Tony, you feel blessed? Come on, come on, can you feel blessed? Come on, I feel blessed today. Why? I'm on his team. I got chosen on his team. You did too. Wow. The fifth blessing is the the blessing of a spiritual inheritance. Ephesians 1.11 says this. We have attained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. We've, we've obtained an inheritance. Now, an inheritance is what children get when their parents die that is rightfully theirs, simply by being part of the family, right? That's an inheritance. In the natural, many times a child when a child's parents die... As an heir, they receive a family inheritance. How many of you have received inheritances before? How many of you are hoping to receive an inheritance? Don't raise your hand too, low, too high right now. If your parents are in here, right? Well, Listen, an inheritance, this is an inheritance. In the natural, an inheritance is a benefit and blessing of belonging to a family. Spiritually speaking, as children of God's family, we've been given an inheritance as well but it's a spiritual inheritance. Spiritually speaking, as children of God's family, we've been given an inheritance that's unmatched by any worldly or earthly inheritance that you could have. And listen, a natural inheritance, you don't pay for it, you don't perform it for it, you don't work for it, you just receive it. Listen, the spiritual inheritance you don't pay for it. You don't perform for it. You don't work for it. You just receive it. Oh, wow. How about that? Amen. What's your last name, sir? You receive the spiritual inheritance because you have the, you have the family name of God. Amen. Wow. Romans 8, 17. Since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Now, you know, a good question to ask is, what is that spiritual inheritance? Well, you know, I just took a stab at it. It's all the provisions of God. That's the spiritual inheritance. It's all the promises of God. That's our spiritual inheritance. Uh, Our spiritual inheritance is anything and everything that belongs and is part of God's kingdom. Right? It's like, it's His fruit. It's His gifts. It's His wisdom. It's his truth. It's his miraculous provision. It's his amazing grace. It's his enduring mercy. That's all part of the great inheritance. Amen? So every day that you wake up, you don't wake up a pauper or a beggar. You wake up rich. Amen? You wake up rich. And it addresses another fundamental core that we all have the need to be nurtured and cared for. How many of you know God's going to care for you? See, some of you need to hear that today. God is going to care for you. This is the blessing, knowing that our heavenly Father will nurture and care for us throughout our lifetime. One person is happy about that. Now listen to this verse, Matthew 6 and 26. It says this, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in their barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are you see a lot of the fear a lot of the worry a lot of the anxiety that we live on day in and day out it's because we don't fully understand this but the more we understand this then things can be falling apart all around us we're going to have peace in our life this the lord said the peace i give you Not as the world gives, give I unto you. How many of you know the blessings of the kingdom of God are greater than the material blessings of this world? Amen. And so you can have all the natural resources that there are, but still live a miserable life. Why? Because you don't have the core needs of your life, man. And God says, listen, I'm going to give you the greatest inheritance that you could ever have. And it's the inheritance of having the core needs, the fundamental needs of your life. I take care of the birds of the air. Don't you think I'm going to take care of you? Come on, I need to hear that today. What about you? Hey, listen, I listen, I know when every bird falls out of the sky. I haven't forgotten about you. Somebody needs to hear that today. Because some of you might be thinking that God forgot about you. He did not forget about you. He knows when the birds fall out of the sky. And he knows exactly where you are and what you need. Amen? I'm going to be grateful for that. That he is an all-knowing God. Amen. The sixth blessing Paul reminds us here is that the blessing of being sealed with the Holy Spirit. And this is what Ephesians 1.13 says, In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, now what truth is this verse trying to get across to us? Well, as born-again Christians, we need to realize that we've been given or sealed With the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit. You know, this morning as we just began, I talked about the presence. About God's presence. Now, I don't know how much value you put on the presence. But folks, that's a great, that's a great blessing. I don't know if you can remember those of you that have been saved for a while, what life was like, how empty life was without the Lord, how thirsty you were trying to find purpose and meaning in life, and there was none to be found. I tell you why you don't have that anymore, because when you drink of the waters of the real the real fountain of life, Jesus Christ, your core needs are met, your thirst is met, it's because of the presence, it's because of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember what Jesus promised his disciples in John 16:7. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's the promise. Verse 13, but when the he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. As Christians, we have a huge advantage in life and listen, sometimes, sometimes we can get so wrapped up in what's happening all around us that we feel there's no privilege of being a Christian. Because of everything we see in the natural. Well, let me tell you one of the things that you cannot expect if you're a non-believer to have, and that's to have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Having the helper on the inside of you. How many of you are Christians today? If you're a Christian today and you can raise your hand and say, I'm a Christian, do you realize that the God of the universe, the Spirit of the living God is down on the inside of you? My goodness, what a blessing that is. Amen? Amen. It's an unfair advantage for the world, amen? You're in this match of life, and the the Lord gives you, he gives you a special advantage. It's his power and his presence in your life. Come on, we're rich. How many of you feel rich today, amen? We've been given a comforter, a teacher, a helper, an empower, a guide, a revealer of God's purpose and will. Let's not forget as Christians. We've been given what non-Christians don't have, not because God doesn't want them to have it, but they can't have it until they cross the line, until they give their life to Christ. But when you become a believer, you can get- the power of God. What does it mean to be sealed with the Holy Spirit? You know, it means ownership. It means security. It means authority. It means authenticity of our relationship with God. You know, it used to amaze me how people could be so bold and, 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 and say, I'm a believer and I'm a Christian. And I'd say the audacity to walk around cocky like that and, and say, I'm a believer. You better hope God thinks so. And I didn't understand. But then I became a Christian and now I understand it's not, it's not arrogance. It's not haughtiness. It's not, it's something about the spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit. And you know, without a doubt, I'm a believer, man. And whenever I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. Amen. Come on, Romans eight sixteen says, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Amen. What a blessing to have the assurance, the affirmation of the Spirit of God in your life, knowing that you're one of His. Amen. You're one of His. How many of you know you're one of His? Isn't that a great blessing to know you're one of His? Man. I'm preaching myself happy today. I don't know if you're getting anything out of this, but if you would pardon me and let me just keep going so I can be enriched by it, amen? I feel rich today. What about you? Amen. The seventh and the final blessing Paul speaks of in this text is this. The blessing of having is guarantee. Is guarantee. In, In verse 14, the Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. We have a lot to praise and glorify him. Amen. Amen. The word guarantee is a picture of somebody giving earnest money. Deposited by a purchaser. Guaranteeing the rest. I'll buy that. Here, here's a thousand Hold that for me. Because I want that. And so the Holy Spirit is the down payment. It's the pledge given by God as a guarantee or an assurance of the rest. Say, Lord, how do we know that you're going to come across? How do we know you're going to come through? Here's a, here's a down payment. Here's a guarantee. Here's an assurance. Second Corinthians 5.5. Five. Now, it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You know what that means? There's more to come. There's more to come. I mean, praise God for everything we've been talking about. But how many of you know there's more to come? Amen? There's more to come. This is not the extent of His spiritual inheritance. I know you got some, but you didn't get it all. There's more to come. Let me frame it for you. Can I frame it for you? 1 Corinthians 15, 51. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Come on, how many of you know there's more to come? The Holy Spirit is our guarantee that it's just a down payment, that there's more to come, and Jesus is assuring us that the fulfillment of our spiritual inheritance is yet to come, because one day, the last trumpet will sound, and when the last trumpet sounds, then will come the fulfillment of our spiritual inheritance. You know, many of us, we have buried our loved ones in in the grave. We put them in the casket, put them in the grave, and it looks like that's the end, but that's not the end. If they are in Christ, they Their fulfillment of their spiritual inheritance is yet to come. When the last trumpet sounds, when the trumpet sounds, those that are dead in Christ will rise up. And they're going to say, oh my goodness, what happened? The graves are opening up and people are coming to life and their mortal body is going to put on immortality. And they're going to live forever with Jesus. Come on, the spiritual inheritance of a heavenly home that we will live with the rest of our lives. Glory to God. We are not pulpers. We are not beggars. We are rich. How many of you would agree with that? We are rich. Come on, do me a favor and let's stand together. Oh, you're, you're rich if you're a child of God. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, some of us, we might not make it to the grave. That trumpet might sound before, right? Amen. And so, as things happen in the world, we say, "Well, I'm not worried about what's happening in in, all around me. I'm not. I'm not worried too much about as much worried about what's happening in D.C. as I'm worried about the trumpet." Amen. Because when the trumpet sounds, if I'm still here, see you later. Come on, how many of you coming with me? (laughs) How many of you ready to go? We have a spiritual. It's a great spiritual inheritance. It's a great spiritual. Come on, just do me a favor and just close your eyes for a moment. Just think you're a child of God. You're rich. You have a spiritual inheritance. Come on. He has chosen you, right? He has chosen you. He's adopted you. He's redeemed you from the slave block. He's given you the privilege of knowing the mystery of His will. What a great privilege! You have a spiritual inheritance. When he sealed you with his spirit, his spirit is on the inside of you. How tremendous. And we have his guarantee. We have his guarantee. His guarantee is I'm not telling you a bunch of baloney. I'm not lying to you. Let me assure you that what I'm telling you is true. Let me give you a down payment. Let me assure you. Let me touch you with my spirit. Come on. He wants to assure somebody in here touch you with his spirit. Come on, just receive it right now. Just let the comfort of his spirit come upon you. Just let the strength of his spirit. Come on, just let the grace of his spirit come upon you. Come on, child of God. You're rich. Come on, tap into your, tap into your heavenly bank account. Come on, he's invested a lot in your spiritual bank account. Would you just make a withdrawal today and just receive his grace? Receive his touch. Receive his hand. Thank you Father God. Father, I pray for your grace to fill this room right now. Lord, I pray help us to get the revelation of what we're talking about today. Not just to know in that know it in our mind, but let us know in our heart and in our s- spirit that we are not beggars. We are not pulpers. That it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter so much what's in our checking account as it matters what's in our heavenly bank account. Thank you, Lord, that you've enriched us today. Thank you, Father God. Now let me just ask all of you that are here today one question. Are you ready for the trumpet? Are you ready for his coming? Are you ready? Are you a, Are you ready to just meet your maker? Have you surrendered? Have you given your life to Christ? All these blessings are for believers, for Christians. If you've never done that, I want, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. You just reach out in faith and just believe the gospel and you can be a recipient. If you hear here today and you say, Ty, would you pray for me? I'm not sure that I'm a Christian. Just raise your hand. Just raise it high and just wave it at me so I can see it because I want to give every person just wave it and wave it high. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else right here? Anybody else? Come on, let's pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood so my sins could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, I want to be a child of God. I want to be a Christian. I want the spiritual inheritance that you paid a high price for. Would you forgive me and cleanse me? Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me into your family today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And listen if you prayed that prayer there's a card in your pew with a green line that said I made a decision if you fill that out bring it into the lobby to the info center we have a gift for you just some tools to help you get started encourage you to come back this afternoon jump in the growth class uh, I'll be there looking forward to, to spending that time with you come on how many of you feel rich how many of you feel like you're a, a rich man a woman of God Let me pray a blessing over you as we release. Father, I pray the favor and the blessing of the Lord. God, may your face shine upon every person here. God, may they sense and feel and experience your goodness in their lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, just come up and somebody will pray with you. But if not, God bless you. You have a wonderful day. You're dismissed.